Like when I say my brain don't stop, my brain does not stop. Mm -hmm. Because for me, not only am I responsible, I'm half responsible for what happens in my household. I'm also responsible for at least 350 employees. And you have 350 employees? Yes, across the board. Between Slutty Vegan, Bar Vegan, the foundation, 350 employees. What? So if Pinky Cole drops the ball, the whole ship could potentially crumble. So I think about those things. So it's not even just the, the children that came out of my womb. I'm also thinking about the quote unquote family wow. that I have through the business that how I show up is a reflection of how they can show up to be able to take care of their children. So I can't get lazy, even if I wanted oh to. My God. You understand what I'm saying? Absolutely. So what kids did for me is it just made me more consistent. Right. And made me more soft because I used to be very clear, very direct. <laughs> I used to be very militant. But mm-hmm. now I'm more understanding and I'm more patient, yeah. which I think I needed mm-hmm. because I was really hard like a rock. And I'm still yeah. hard to a T, but I also I'm more understanding in the workplace. And I also understand that people will sue you. <laughs> so you have to be mindful on how you communicate with people yeah. um, and just really be a leader. Yeah. You know, so like, again, what I said in the beginning I am in a transition and I want you to kind of like put my old interview and this interview right beside each other. Yeah, for sure. I definitely have evolved. You were focused, but not like this. Like you, like obviously like you were, you were focused and like going at it and can intelligently talk about business, but it seems like you've 10 X since the last conversation we've had. Your, when was your, when did you open your second restaurant? What year was that? 2020. 2020. 2020. So about two years ago. Yeah. How many employees did you have at your first restaurant? My first restaurant, I, st- I had probably like 22. So you go from 22 employees to 350 in two years. 350. Let me tell you something very interesting. So when I go around my employees, I don't know a lot of them now. And at first I used to feel bad about it because I used to know everybody. Right. But now I'm like, hi, I'm Pinky. What's your name? And I had to also shake that because I used to feel bad. Like, damn, like, I don't even know them. Like, but I realized I'm building an empire. You won't know everybody's name, but as long as you can make an impact on the people who work for you and with you, then you're doing the right thing. But I definitely don't know. (laughs) (laughs) So tell me about this layered leadership. Like who's. Like, okay, so like from your position of, okay, I interview the person, they come on, I like them. Mm -hmm. What was that transition? Because I think there are a lot of people that are watching it. Maybe they have their one restaurant, but now it's going to be time to go to the next level. What was that leadership transition like? It was interesting. So I just promoted my CRO. His name is Jason Crane. I don't even know what CRO is. Chief Revenue Officer. (laughs) Okay. Chief Revenue Officer. Yes. Um, So I just promoted him to president. And I promoted him to president because I didn't turn into a D-list celebrity. Okay. So <laughs> <laughs> I started doing more interviews and growing the business from the outside. So I had to make a really hard decision. And it was the same decision that I made when I went from one location to two and three. When I used to be in a restaurant flipping burgers and shaking fries and yeah. being customer service and HR and all that stuff. And I knew that my business couldn't grow If I was inside of the business, Mm -hmm. I had to step outside of the business. So after I stepped outside of the business, after location number two, I was working day to day in the business. I just wasn't so much in the restaurants. 
But then I got to a place where Slutty Vegan started getting super uber popular and they wanted to know the genius behind the brand. Mm. So guess what happens after that? Interviews. Yeah. On camera. Yeah, out of the restaurant. Out of the restaurant. Like yeah. literally out of the day to day of the restaurant. So I had to play chess and playing chess was getting the one person in my business that had the mental smarts and the uh, intellectual energy to be able to continue to take my business to the next level internally so that I can grow the business from the outside. And that was Jason Crane, who was my CRO. And now he's my president. And I'm glad I made the decision. Did you develop that in him or did he already come lit? Well, he came lit. So he, he has a background. He owned a uh, part of part pig. He sold his company to his um, Amazon. He, um, oh, wow. he used to work at Google. He's the tech guy. Right. So like super smart guy, but he understood business before mm-hmm. he came to me. So when he came on board in 2020, I almost like was grooming him into position. All right, here's the business. He's never been in a restaurant industry mm-hmm. and it was an opportunity for him to learn and to grow. And he actually uh, did the negotiations alongside my lawyer for my raise. Mm. So when it came time to make that transition to step outside of the day to day of the restaurant, I promoted him to president and say, here, (laughs) 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 this is the throne. Now you run my company. And although I have the final say on everything, um, he runs the day to day of the company from the inside and I run the company from the outside. So he does hiring, marketing, like no, he everything? Doesn't, he doesn't do everything. So we have departments. So yeah. I have an operations department. I have a marketing team. I have a catering and booking team. I have the HR department. But is he over all of those departments? So he is the overarching element. Gotcha. Yes. So he connects directly with the department heads and he mm-hmm. has his meetings with them. And then he reports it up to me. Right. Gotcha. So we have our weeklies. We have our meetings. But the moral to the story is he runs the day to day of the business. Right. So I'm still very familiar on what happens with my business strategy execution. I still go and look at properties um, to vet out for potential slutty vegans. I still go to the high level meetings. We still have our high level meetings, all of our company wide engagements. I'm still present for. But I speak on behalf of the business. Nobody talks about the business except for me because I created this company Um, and the dynamic works. It's a high level of trust. You have to trust him. So trust is a very fickle thing, right? When we talk about trust in business, I am trusting that the money that I am giving him to run my company is sustainable enough for him to have a adequate level of living Mm -hmm. so that he is comfortable enough to be able to run my company in a way that he can use his expertise to do a good job. Yeah. Right. People will fail you in life, right? I don't put 100% of my trust in nobody. I don't care who it is, (laughs) right? But what I do know is that I am trusting that what I am putting him in position to do, then he can get the job done. Now, if he proves that otherwise, then he he messed it up on his own. But everybody gets the opportunity to have a first chance. And so far, he's been doing a great job. So if, let's say for instance, I think our eating choices are going to be based on obviously our preference and what right. makes us happy, right? right? So while I was doing my vegan thing, I just wasn't happy. I was like, I was just, I was just what mad. Yeah, I was just like, I don't know. Like, I was like complaining a lot, and mm. you know, you know, like when you when you get something raw, 
you look at it and you just you chew at one of the faces like <laughs> <laughs> like dang I want some ranch. What were you eating? Broccoli. Now I did do uh shouts out I got a couple uh my partners doing cleanses. Um uh, Dr. Bobby, his cleanse mm -hmm. oh, Dr. Bobby is really yeah. It's it's not easy, mm -hmm. but effective nonetheless. Um, D herbs. I did okay. D herbs cleanse. Okay. Found out I'm just a quitter. But you, you know, know what, I mean? what I love to tell the community about detoxing when you take the course before we get into actual food, the first week of the course is about understanding why you're connected to certain foods. Yeah. Right. So a lot of people find when they're detoxing, a lot of those emotions come up where they feel irritable, they feel agitated. That was it. Right. So we can no longer use the foods like carbs to suppress those emotions. So now they're coming up. You're not just detoxing the body, you're detoxing the mind and the spirit as well. Carbs suppress emotion? Carbs have an effect on your emotions? Right. So we talk all about different types of food. So let's talk about cravings for a moment. You have sweet cravings. Yeah. What does that mean? My thing is the body is always talking to you. So if you're a person that's constantly craving sweets, that's tied to emotional trauma, emotional trauma around depression, emotional trauma around abandonment wounds, attachment wounds, self nurturing wounds from what sweet cravings. Correct. So what does that do when you eat sweets? It causes a dopamine response in the brain. So if you're feeling down, the first thing you do is eat sweets, right? You crave uh -huh. that and it makes, it gives you that, that pick me up, right? So usually when a person is craving these things over time, they have learned to use this cravings to satisfy an emotional need. Wow. And we learn these things through childhood, through television. But once you taste it, it's a whole another thing because now you have that dopamine response and you're like, oh, I love it. So now when you have a rough day or a tough day, first thing you do is go into the vending machine. And it's so important that black voices are represented in black media for so many different reasons. And the next generation of black uh, voices and influencers from black voices can be found on NPR's new collection, Black Stories, Black Truths. Black Stories, Black Truths is a celebration of blackness from NPR. Each of NPR's black voices are as distinct, varied, and nuanced as the black experience itself. In the Black Stories, Black Truths collections, you'll hear stories of joy, resilience, empowerment, and creating world-shifting things out of struggle. And every episode is a living account about what it means to be black today, told from a unique black perspective. From Bobby Smyrta to The Wire, Michelle Obama to Reparations, there's no limit to the range of Black Stories, Black Truths. I listen and I'm enjoying these conversations that are for us, by us. Black representation, again, it hasn't always been uh, shared from our perspective. And black perspectives haven't been censored in the telling of America's story. Now they are the story. In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection of some of NPR's best podcast episodes celebrating the black experience. Here are a feed of episodes from across NPR's podcasts that center black voices. It's NPR. Noir. Turn on NPR today and hear a range of voices as very nuanced and black as the country we reflect. Stories should never be about us without us. Listen to the Black Stories, Black Truths on NPR, wherever you get podcasts. 
All right, let's do some quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you can keep. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. So to reduce costs and headache, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required. Access from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. It just makes sense. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit from NetSuite? I know you see it. Listen to me. If you have everything scattered in business, you cannot grow. And everything is more expensive when you have more and more processes layered on top of each other, more and more softwares. You got to get out of that. And it, it will improve efficiency and cut costs. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to NetSuite.com slash social proof. That's NetSuite.com slash social proof. NetSuite.com slash social proof. Getting some XYZ, whatever it may be. Mm. Crunchy cravings. That's the sign of a person that has dealt with a lot of stress. So chewing on something crunchy releases tension in the muscles. So oh, now you wow. have a relief. Correct. So we help people to understand why they're eating it, not just saying, oh, you're, you should not be eating this. I know people look at us on Instagram and it's like, you know, this, this, and this is why you shouldn't eat this. But once you actually become a student, you're like, okay, I understand why I'm eating it. Mm. I said that I was in a psychiatric ward throughout my childhood. I experienced a lot of things. And throughout childhood, I used to eat bread every single day, ball it up and eat it. I used to get in trouble for me doing too. That. that was a sign of depression. What? That was a sign of depression. And because I thought I we just are not, bread. I <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would like you ball it up and it just makes it like a dough. It's like pizza bread. Kind of you're like, ah, I'm eating but pizza. guess what? That, Feeling of crunching down on it, eating it, relieves the stress in the body. So it's a soothing mechanism. We have found unhealthy ways of soothing ourselves emotionally. Mm. And that's what's leading to this cycle of generational diseases, as we like to say. Got it. Why do I love pasta so much? Same thing. So if it's creamy pasta, it's issues around nurturing. Right, so like Alfredo's, you know, maybe you wasn't breastfed as a child, or maybe you dealt with some abandoned wounds from mom or dad, um, or somebody that was um, a caregiver in your life. It was always in me. There's not an entrepreneur in my family. Everybody is still working. Mm. Um, it was just in me. It was mm. in me. But I was always art artsy. So you know, working with my hands, doing hair, doing music, drawing, so mm. stuff like that. So, but this whole journey, you're still going on music. Music. Right. I, I want to do music. Actually, one of my good friends in Dallas, Texas, she moved to Atlanta and we would come to Atlanta all the time. So she came and then she came back to Dallas. She was like, if you don't move to Atlanta, I can't be your friend no more. You holding yourself back. Like you ain't finna do nothing here. Wow. She was like, I, you need friends like that. When I tell you, not only did she force me, I was like, okay, I'm gonna save up $3,000. I have my little Toyota, three hubcaps. <laughs> <laughs> I 
love that car. I didn't care. I still drove that car right in Atlanta. EJ, one of my good friends who got me to get on this podcast, she was like, if you pull up in that car again, we cannot be friends. You have money now. I would ballet it. Like, don't scratch her. Like, what? Girl, ain't nobody worried about this Toyota. Where your hubcap at? But that's the car I drove to Atlanta. So How many years was this? This was two thousand. Uh, Six years ago. So I was 25. When was that? Mm. Five, six years ago. I'm 31 now. So I moved when I was 25. Wow. Five, six years ago. Your whole life can change. Yeah. But but people don't understand. They see me come from... Well, let me finish my story. Yes. I got so many thoughts. Go for it. (laughs) Slow down. Okay. So she was like, if you don't move, I'm not going to be your friend. Right? So her name is Pharaoh. Still friends to this day. Over a decade. She comes down to Atlanta. She's like, okay, when you get reach your $3,000 goal, you're going to move. Mind you, I'm working in a strip club now, hustling, doing hair, working, working, working. I got that $3,000, got my car, and that's all I had. So she came back, packed up my car with me, and drove, and we, wow. got, a, we got an apartment together here in Atlanta. Wow. That 3000 was gone in two weeks. <laughs> oh, my God. My first time paying bills, being an adult. I'm in my grandmother's house right. this whole time up until then. I had no bills. And I was making so much money in her house. I, didn't, I only paid my cell phone bill. I was traveling, going to Miami, just lit, you know? So I'm sorry, real it. quick. Yeah. Real quick. So you're making a lot of money. Yeah. And the goal is to save 3000 I just wanted to say, I thought that was a lot. But was the problem, because you were making money, like, were you just like spending it as fast as it came in? Yes. Mm. <laughs> That's what I see from the story. Because it's like, you yeah. have to save 3000 but I'm making a I lot of money. I only want to save three. <laughs> I was buying stuff, okay? I was, I, you know what I spent most of my money on? Not bags, purses, shoes, designer stuff. I kind of got into that more recently a little bit. Mm. Food and travel. I wanted mm. to travel a lot. I was like, I don't want to stay in Dallas. I wanted to go to Miami and L.A. and all these places I had never been. So I would travel a lot. But that's what I spent my money on. It was gotcha. gone. Gotcha. And what did your friend do? What was she doing as a... Music. So she was doing music We too. both moved to Atlanta to do music together. We were both independent artists. But she was waitressing, working regular jobs. She worked at gotcha. Nordstrom and, you know, stuff like that. Okay, proceed. Yep. You get your 3000 You're here. Got my 3000 I'm here. I was gone in two weeks. Had to get a job, you know, and then I ended up working at a hair salon out here. Mm. I, I went around, found some stuff, and then my social media was kind of picking up a little bit because I came from MySpace. Mm. Once again, back to my earlier thought, people don't understand. They're like, oh, you're on Instagram. First of all, I've been on Instagram eight years. Mm. Let's start there. Yeah. It's been almost a decade of Instagram videos. Yeah. But before that, I was more popular on MySpace and Pinterest. So back in the MySpace days, Pinterest? I was— Pinterest. My pictures would go viral on Pinterest. Mm. So in the MySpace days, I was on like people's top eight. Or mm. y'all remember that? Oh yeah, for sure. So I, I'm like, I've been on social media for a long right. time. It didn't just like one video go viral on Instagram and right. then that was it. No, I, I've been on Instagram for almost a decade. Mm. So you know, constantly posting. So yeah, I got out here, start taking my social media more serious. It, what transferred me to comedy was I would post my music. Like this song is so good, it would get like four thousand views, and then I would post a ranting video, and it would get like four hundred thousand. I was like, "Y'all not the music." Edit it, edit it, B. Edit it, edit it. Stay edited. Sorry, y'all not messing with the music. Sorry, I cut so much. I'm working on that. But I was like, "Zane, I thought my music was good." Like, okay, so the people led me into comedy. The mm. people led me into comedy. So I, and it was just me being myself, ranting mm. about my day, being a waitress, making fifteen dollars that day. I remember mm. I had a, 
I still have it. It's a journal diary. And I wrote in it, like I made $15. I go back and read it. I made $15 today, but that's cool. I know everything's going to be fine. Mm. Some of the pages are wet because I was crying and writing. Like there's watermarks on the pages. But yeah, I I wasn't making no money, you know, so... That's where it started. And I, I moved to Instagram and the people pushed me into comedy because gotcha. I, I just looked at the views. If this is what I want, I'm being myself anyway. Let me keep telling y'all about my day. Yeah. And it just turned into comedy videos and then skits. And, mm-hmm. you know, now I'm a comedian based off of that. Right. Just following that, you know, your, your, your original brand on social media, was it intentional to be music? Like, yo, I'm just going to put my songs out intentional. there. I had a whole album on iTunes. As soon as I started popping, I was like, take this down. So <laughs> <laughs> No one can hear this. <laughs> Not a soul. People still did me. Like, where? I'm like, girl, I'm about to block you. <laughs> that is the past. That album is gone, sweetie. <laughs> so, so I put Come music to a comedy up. show. Music up and then ranting videos. Yeah. Were the ranting videos funny or it was like just voicing my frustration? Funny. I mean, I guess I didn't, I wasn't intentional about the funny though. Mm. I was just being myself. So once again, that class clown thing, telling the story in a comedic way, I guess. Mm. Y'all today I was at work and oh my God, this white boy walked up to me and was like, you know, whatever mm. happened, I would just say it in such a funny way. And I would read the comments. I'm like, dang, this is what y'all want. I'm going to keep telling y'all about my day. I'm going to keep ranting. I'm going to, you know, I started at the beginning of when people were making videos. Because mm. at first Instagram, y'all know it was just pictures. Yeah. Once the videos started popping, you know, I made videos. I became a producer because I had to put myself in position as an actress, yeah. as a as a poet, as an artist, as an influencer. I had to put myself in position. And that's why I asked you, do you call yourself a producer? Because when I think about producing, I've been producing. Producing just means you're the person putting stuff together. I'm hiring this person. I'm bringing on this team. I'm, I'm bringing in this camera. I'm putting on this light. I'm finding the location. I'm finding the talent. That's produ- I've been doing that. When I did the Arsenio Hall show, I did a poem called Average Black Girl, which most of us know went super viral. When I saw the power of video and how viral it went, I said, oh, okay, so I need to put my next poem on video. I remember going to Bankhead. I was on the corner of Bankhead with one camera. My girlfriend, Tequila Whitfield, I said, Tequila, I want to put myself on tape. I want to produce this. I didn't even say produce. I want to just put this video on tape for my poem, Dear Black Man. We went, took our camera, no mic, took our camera, went to corner, a random corner in Bankhead. I saw this cool mural behind me. I did this poem on the corner called Dear Black Man. All these men were pulling up, watching me do this poem. They wow. ended up getting in my video at the end. And I think that was back in 2014, that, that video with one camera, no light, no sound, got 172,000 views back then. That's a lot. I've been producing. I've been putting myself in position. That's the only way it's going to work. When I think about the little girl who was an extra watching Curtis eat the donut and wanting to be the star, I realize the only way I'm going to be the star on my terms is if I produce it. That's a fact. That's Still a fact. doing that. Not going to stop. I love it. I, I want to like get a little into our relationship. So I was, I forgot what I was doing. Um, I don't know. We were doing something. To, oh, no, no, no. So I actually came over for this specific reason because I was like, "Yo, I want to be an actor." Yes, I'd be a good actor. I think I gave you the actor bug. Yeah, a hundred percent, absolutely, absolutely. Because you're like, "Yo, Dave, you could be an actor." Yeah. I'm like, "Really?" And I started talking like that. Really, <laughs> I could be an actor. <laughs> but uh, we came. We ran into a problem. So we did. I don't know. I don't know how we got on this topic because she's like, well, read these. 
A new year, time for new growth. Grow your education and skills with Herzing University. Our online behavioral health programs fit your schedule and time. From an eight-month diploma program in health and human services to a 36-month bachelor's in psychology. Grow your behavioral health career with us wherever you are in your education. Your future starts now at Herzing University. Visit us online at herzing.edu or text HEALTH to 85109. Online at herzing.edu or text HEALTH to 85109 lines and i'm like okay one i don't have the best memory and i'm like Yo, how am i supposed to read it and all that but eventually we uncovered something about me we did do you remember what happened how we got there i do very vividly so people think acting is pretending right and there are actors who do pretend and we those are not great actors to me i think the greatest actors are the actors who operate from a spirit of truth and, and, and a comfortability in being naked. And when I say being naked, being stripped of fear, trauma, doubt, guilt, inhibitions, all of that. You're just freely naked. I'm, re- I'm willing to bear my all, my flaws, and all of that on the screen. Those are the best actors. So when I gave you the lines, you did the lines, and there, it was kind of surface level. It wasn't coming from a real place. It wasn't coming from a place of truth. So I said, we can't start with the lines. We have to start with the truth. We have to start with your emotions. Where are you at emotionally? And what we discovered was you have some emotional walls that are just up. You're hard to get through. Like you're not very like, you're not an emotional available person. Mm-hmm. You're not available, available emotionally. And I wanted to do some specific exercises with you to break down these walls that you've built around your emotions, around, around your core. Because I think that not only would it make you a, a great actor, but it makes you a better person. Mm. I, everyone who knows me, even if you just have a, a, a mere acquaintance with me, like I operate from a spirit of truth. It is what it is when you see me. I am online, how I am in person. I may say some stuff that's going to rub you the wrong way. We all know this, but it's from a spirit of truth, right? Yeah. And most people don't operate that way, which I think makes me a great actor. It makes me a great poet. It makes me a great speaker because I operate from this spirit of, I have done so much self-work of ridding myself and working on trauma, fear, doubt, shame, guilt, feelings of unworthiness, feelings of undeservingness. I'm able to operate from this truthful place now where it's like, what you got to throw at me? Oh, personal question. So you've had some people that you've worked with or kind of like your employees that you thought were going to be. Let me ask you, is your original team of people that you felt you were going to build your business with, are they still around? Yes. All of them. The, the core ones, yes. The very core. Yeah. So my oldest employee is still with me. Her name is Angel. She started as an intern. And then I hired her as the social media intern. Then I hired her as my assistant. And now she's the business manager of the entire company. Oh, wow. She knows every single password. She knows everything. She, she is the vault of the business. And then Maisha is the second oldest employee that I have. Um, she is the operational guru of my business. So they are my left brain and my right brain. And they have been with me since the very beginning. And then Jason came on in 2020. And then I have a couple people, shout out to Rue, shout out mm-hmm. to um, Tanya, my, my people who have been on the ground and every single one of them that have been here with me from the beginning, all have elevated and are now running my company. Gotcha. So the moral to the story is all of the people that went hard for me, I now go hard for them. Yeah. They were loyal to me. I am now loyal to them. All of them have phantom equity in my company. All of them are making high salaries in my business and are able to continue to grow because they showed up and showed their dedication to the business. I love it. I love it. 
you also, which I guess it makes sense now because you just, you're about to almost revitalize a magazine. Um, yes. Jet, Jet, right? Jet Magazine, which I remember being a kid watching it, like having that Jet Magazine on the kitchen table, right? And it just kind of, I don't, I don't know, just kind of just dwindled with the internet, I suppose. How did this come about? So one thing about Pinky Co., I'm going to shoot my shot. <laughs> and you don't have to just shoot your shot in the DMs, mm-hmm. okay? Um, I went to Essence Festival. And did Richard have anything to do with this? Rich, no. no? Mm-hmm. So I went to Essence Festival. And I met the president of Jet. I don't know who introduced me to him. Um, and I met the president of Jet and I walked up to him. So they still have a magazine. Yeah, but it's, it's they're, they're bringing it back. Gotcha. So they're doing a whole revamp, right? Mm-hmm. And I pitched the idea to him. I said, hey, you should make me Jet Beauty of the Week. But this time we'll say Jet Beauty and Brains of the Week. I had this whole right. idea. <laughs> like I had this whole pitch. I just walked up to him right. in real time. Right. He was like, let's talk. He was like, I love that. Let's talk. Because he was telling me how they're bringing Jet back and blah, 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 blah. So he called me a couple of weeks later. He said, I like your idea. Let's do it. And what we'll do is we'll do a whole magazine. And Mm. the magazine, um, you'll be the cover. And you'll be Jet Beauty of the Week. And all of the contents in the magazine, you will be the content of the magazine. All things Pinky Cole, Slutty Vegan Brand. Dang. Yes. So this is a limited edition print. We're printing 10,000 copies. Wow. And it will be in stores, limited stores. And I'm excited about it because when we think of Jet Magazine, Jet is a part of the reason why our culture is as rich as it 100%. is. A hundred percent. This was the magazine for Negroes. Yeah. Right. So if you go back to 1951 and you look at all of the magazines, you had all of the most prominent black people in America at a time where segregation was at an all time high gracing this level of magazine. So this was our Hollywood. So for me to be able to partner with jet magazine, to be the cover girl, to be the jet beauty of the week and every single piece of the content is all of the cultural things that I'm doing. I don't take that for granted. That's big. That's huge. That's huge. And what I realized is that social capital and currency that I was talking about, I'm able to tap into brands and help to um, take them to a place where it re-exposes them to the world in a way that we know how relevant they were and how relevant they are. Yeah. So, like, I'm honored that Jet would even include me in their magazine, yeah. right? So although this is a collaboration, it it feels so good to know that I can do this. And what's so special about the magazine is I'm also highlighting my team. I love it. I love it. But yeah, I just got to ask though, because we we obviously haven't seen Jet in a while. This is like really like a, I don't know, a collector's item or NFT or something. I don't understand that game. (laughs) But the fact that it's only 10,000, that's really, really dope. So I'm I'm definitely going to try to get as many copies as I can. But did you like try to get equity? In the whole magazine? Did you have that conversation? Because you understand you are going to bring it back. <laughs> we working. Okay. Okay. So I'll, I'll say this. I am a relationship person. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. This project for me wasn't like, oh, I need equity. I need y'all to give me a piece of what. Yeah. Like, this wasn't that kind of project. For sure. It was like, okay, it's a great opportunity. How can I be a part? How can I be of support of this amazing brand? Great opportunity for you or for them? For both of us. For both. Like, 
Yeah, it's it's a great opportunity for both of us. And, you know, Jet Magazine is one of those magazines that we grew up on. Yeah, 100%. I wanted to be able to have a partnership with them. Yeah. Um, and whatever comes out of that in the future, will I say no? Hell no. <laughs> <laughs> I will definitely be a part of all the things that they want to bring me into. Yeah. But what I do know is that this magazine with me on the cover will definitely make some waves. And I pray that it makes the waves that will put jet back into the forefront. Like it used to be back in the day. Yeah. Yo, when, uh, when Mike told me about it, when he said it, it was, it gave me like a bit of nostalgia a little bit. And I was, I was just excited that they're coming back because there's not a lot of magazines that I don't think there's any really, that's like highlighting our people, how, I mean, this this was at a time, right, where like the, the whole country's at odds and it was it's at odds today. But someone was bold enough to say, yo, we are going to make black beautiful. Yeah. Right? And if you didn't remember anything else, every little girl, every teenage girl mm-hmm. always went to page nine or whatever page it was yep. to look at Jet Beauty of the Week. Yeah. Yeah. And Jet Beauty of the Week was the most beautiful black woman who was exactly. educated, smart and sexy as hell. Chocolate. Chocolate and sexy. Mm-hmm. And that was the image of what a black woman was to us. Yeah. Right? And now we get to bring it back. I love it. And I'm excited. I love it. You should be. <laughs> Which Keep- being myself, I think, is one of the hardest things. I was telling somebody in the uh, in the lobby, being yourself is one of the hardest things to do when you got so much stuff to look at. It's only hard when you don't know who you are. Mm. <laughs> we got it's that up. We only that up. hard if you don't know who you are. You have to find who you are. And then some, I'm still learning that. Every year I evolve. I'm in therapy right now. My therapist is like, write down 20 things that make you happy. She was like, yep, call me tomorrow. (laughs) (laughs) You know, some of those deep questions, it's like, who am I? Does this, you know, and I'm going to go back to EJ, you know, um, on my million dollar journey, I sold my car, which was almost two years ago. I still don't have a car. And I'm a multimillionaire. I still don't have a car. Mm. You, I, I almost bought a $300,000 G-Wagon because of the stuff I saw on the internet. And I sat with myself. I said, do I really even want this G-Wagon? I'm never in town. Soon as I drive off the lot, it depreciates. It's gonna- What's up, podcaster or soon-to-be podcaster? Get ready to level up your podcast game because the number one podcast education summit of the year is back. And it's bigger and better than ever. I'm talking about the second annual podcast summit happening on July 4th and 5th in the content creation capital of the world. You already know, ATL, baby. Atlanta, Georgia, going down July 4th and 5th. Two full days. Imagine this. Imagine you getting all the game you need to take your voice, your brand, your business to the next level. Imagine getting all the insider tips. Imagine getting all the know-how that you've been craving for the last two, three, four years where you're talking about you're going to start a podcast, but you haven't yet because you don't have the tools, you don't have the tips, you don't have the tricks. I don't care if you're just starting or you're a seasoned pro. This summit has something for everyone. Picture you mastering the basics of setting up your podcast or unlocking the secrets to grow your brand on social media. We're not just talking about podcasting here. I'm talking about you want to build a long form catalog, whether it's skits, movies. We got people talking about script writing. This is an incredible experience. Imagine, imagine discovering the art of securing these lucrative sponsorship deals. And that's not all. Learn the ropes of creating a pitch deck that has sponsors knocking down your door. But wait, 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 wait. There's more. This isn't just a summit. This is an experience. I'm telling you. Rub shoulders with industry leaders. 
And you got to network with other people that are doing what you're doing. All the guests that have ever been on Social Proof Podcast, I'm giving them a free ticket. And in exchange, they promise me that they're going to sit down and do short interviews with you. We got podcast booths for our VIP members where you can sit down, pull somebody to a side, and you're going to create content in real time. I know what you're thinking. How do I get a part of this podcasting paradise? Well, it's simple. All you have to do is head over to podcastsummit.com, grab your tickets now, but hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, because I have something really, really special for you. I got a little treat for my early birds, people who take action. The next 20 listeners and only 20 listeners who get your tickets right now, okay, I'm not only going to give you 20% off of whatever ticket level you get, you get 20% off, but if you use the promo code BIGDEAL, It'll take 20% off immediately, but I'm also going to allow the first 20 people listening to this right now to be able to bring a friend, bring a teammate, bring a partner for absolutely free. You get general admission, they get general admission. You get VIP, they get VIP. Whatever ticket level you purchase, you get to bring a friend, partner, colleague, boo thing for absolutely free. Nothing extra required. My team's going to reach out to you, get your partner's name, or if you don't have the person you no, right now yet you got time no pressure you get us back but use that code big deal that triggers to let us know you get to bring someone for free so don't wait so you secure your spot at the number one podcast education summit in the country join us july 4th and 5th in atlanta let's turn your podcast dreams into a reality y'all head over to podcastsummit.com use promo code big deal at checkout and get your tickets now don't miss out on the opportunity to take your podcast to new heights take your brand to new heights take your business to new heights with this unprecedented offer okay i'll see you at the summit and don't forget to use promo code big deal i be in my garage mm. i don't own any land because i stay in an apartment come on big why am i buying a g-wagon because i'm i'm conditioned to think that's what you do when you get money Right. I sold my Toyota. Now I need a luxury car. This is what I'm seeing as I'm scrolling. I I ain't had a car for two years. I am comfortable. I don't cook. So all I'm doing is Uber Eats and I ain't never at the grocery store. (laughs) I'm never in town. One of those years was a pandemic. I wasn't doing nothing. Why would I go buy a $300,000 car for it to sit in my garage? I need to own some land. Mm. I need to invest. That's what works for me. But that's because I know myself. I know myself. And I didn't allow outside sources and social media to make me feel pressured to go do that. I Uber everywhere. EJ picked me up this morning. You say, like, you want to ride? I was like, I could drive my sister's car. She got a little Ford in the back. <laughs> but, you know, it's, it's, that's my, it goes with my lifestyle. Yeah. I don't like to drive anyway. I love getting in an Uber, sitting in the back, answering emails, sleeping, being on my phone, working in the back seat. Convenience. That works for me, though. I didn't allow outside sources to make me feel like I had to go buy a car. I don't even have a car. Mm. What is the, first off, do you do regular Uber or Uber Black? Me it depends Erste. on where I'm going. Okay, because me and her, yeah. I mean, she be like, we go somewhere. I'm like, yo, I'll get a regular no, Uber. No, it depends then, on where I'm going because I'm hopping a uh, dinged up Uber real quick. Like, thank you. They got me some on. I'm like, yeah, come on. It's me. Uh, it's me, Black Queen. She's trying, though. She's, she's it's trying. Me, Black Queen. <laughs> so, first of all, we've been up here like 15 minutes. I only did three. That's good. Thank Let's you. clap it up for Peace of Ultra. Yeah. <laughs>
I'm working. So, I'm working on me. I do want to know the journey of have you always been yourself or was it a process? Like some people, I mean, some people are natural, like mm. they are just them. Mm. But some people are struggling. Oh, I don't know why that question is going to make me emotional. I've always been myself. Soon, 2020, as soon as I thought I found myself and I was walking in my truth, I changed. I changed and I tried to hold on to the girl I used to be. Mm. And that's not even who I am anymore. Mm. So that was a scary thing for me. When you change and you grow and you evolve and you shift and you're maturing and people around you aren't or you're not the same person. First of all, the person you used to be is not who God intended you to be. Mm. It was just a part of you to get you to where you're going. Mm. And I was scared to change. I'm like, I don't like standing on the tables at the clubs no more. I don't like going out all the time. I like I like being at home. I don't. Dang, big crowds. I used to want to be the center of attention. Now big crowds kind of give me anxiety. Mm. Uh, I changed as soon as I was walking in my truth. And that scared me. But once I started to accept, it's okay. You're not 21. You're 31. Okay, you're going to evolve. You're going to grow. And that old B. Simone or Braylon, who you used to be, is not who God intended you to be. That is a part of you to get you to this point and continue to evolve. So, yes, I've always been myself, but I feel like in different chapters and journeys and parts of life, you're going to change and find that and walk in that. Don't try to hold on to who you used to be. And what do you think forced that change? Was it people? Was it circumstances? My career um, took off. The more popular I got, the more introverted I got. Really? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Now I'm, 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 hey, you a fan or a hater, bitch? It's like, <laughs> you know, you, it's, I, I'm always on edge. It, 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 it turned me introverted a little bit. Mm. And I'm kind of getting, getting back to, okay, the balance of it. But the bigger I got, the quieter I got. The, and I'm like, well, that's not what got me big. My personality, this is what made me, who I, this is what got me to this point. I had to keep this, this girl up. I had to, I have to be the life of the party. I have to be lit. The bigger I got, I stopped drinking so much. Mm. I'm trying to focus. I'm trying to rest. I'm trying to be healthy. The bigger I got, I didn't want to be out late. So now I'm not networking with those same people because they in the club every night. The bigger, you know, I changed the bigger I got. And it scared me because I felt like I had to do those same things because that's what got me to this point. Mm -hmm. You know, but I'm just on a different chapter. I'm on a different path. I'm I'm evolving, and that's okay, too. So I I challenge you guys to embrace the new you. Don't be scared of it. Well, last year, and I I read a quote, too. They said uh, people spend their whole lives wanting to be known, and then they become known, and then wear dark shades to avoid being seen. It's like, excuse me, and be Simone, I'm just a mess, and my news is real. Move. (laughs) Please. Let me ask you. So last year, you had that uh, issue where I think you said something about the type of man that you want, mm-hmm. right? Yep. Do you think that caused you to not want to be so out there because you're a target now? I think it was numerous things. So I had my million-dollar journey. If anybody followed it, it's still on YouTube. Man, that was insane. And I saw an interview. Oh, I was looking at your page today, but somebody said um, a millionaire means you have it attainable. Not we've made a million. You know, so that was my goal at thirty. I want to be a millionaire. I want to see it in my account. I've come across millions, of course, but to see it tangible, those zeros, that was my goal at thirty. So I had three hundred thousand to go. I did all these. I did back to go doing hair and this and that. We reached the goal. Cool. It took me thirty years. So I reached this goal at thirty. Thirty years to see the million in my account. 
It took me 30 days to be a multimillionaire. Mm. 30 days after that, I made a million dollars in one month. So within, which is great. But then I had the most depressed year of my life. Soon as I became a millionaire, it was the darkest year of my life. From media to losing people out of my circle to my team falling apart. That's why if the money is the goal, you're going to get the money. If the money is the goal, you're going to get it. Whatever you put your mind to, you are going to get. If the million dollar house is the goal, you're going to get it. But when you get there, if your mind ain't right, if your foundation ain't strong, if your if your work you ain't what, who is your source? If that's not right, the the finances and and the the materialistic goals don't matter. And I thank God for my mind because during that depression, I, I was sane, I was good, and I knew I was going to come out of it. But to answer your question, going back to that, the book, the nine to five comments, the lies on it's it's mind-blowing. Anybody can put out something and the world's going to believe it. It don't matter what it is, right? So the nine to five comment, and I'll go back to that. Every day in my stand-up show, um, clap if you still work a nine to five. Clap, 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 clap. I'm going to tell y'all exactly my comment for those that don't know. I said I would never date a man with the nine to five at this stage of my life. I don't want to date a guy at Foot Locker. I made a joke, right? And at my stand-up show, I end my show with this now. I'm on tour with Martin Lawrence, arena of 30,000 people. I end my show with this. And, and this is how God uses purpose. God will embarrass you to use you. Watch. Come on, Watch. Dude. This is purpose. Listen, listen. He will embarrass. I was so embarrassed. Oh, they're not understanding me. They're not this. They're not that. I get up on that stage. I say, in the arena, clap if you heard my nine to five comment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We heard it. Clap if you have a nine to five in here. And you, they clap. And I said, y'all are some of the hardest working citizens in the nation. You get up. You go to work. You take the kids to school. You clocking in to a job you probably don't give a damn about. You got other hopes and dreams. and all. You work so hard. I had a nine to five less than three years ago. And then I say, clap if you would love to be there the next 50 years. Mm. The arena... I'm talking 30, gets quiet. It goes from uh, almost 100% of people to about 20%. I said, okay, if you would love to be there the next 50 years, I ain't talking to you. God bless you. Let me talk to these people that are going Mm -hmm. into this job every single day. You depressed, you got anxiety, you taking it out on yourself, your kids, your mom, your dad, because you don't want to be there. God has planted a seed in your heart. He has given you purpose. And until you find that, You lost. Find that. You want to be a doctor. You want to be a lawyer. You want to open up your own daycare center. You want to have your own boutique, but you're too scared to do it and step out on faith. So, no, I'm not going to date a man who sees me living my dream every day and he's at a desk and he can't walk in his purpose. What is your purpose? What is your purpose? If you are at your nine to five and you feel like that's your purpose and you are walking in that, that is beautiful. My comment wasn't for you. My comment is for that man that is sitting there. He, he want to, I'm telling you this from the bottom of my heart. I'd rather date a man that has a plan, ambition, and he's selling clothes out of his trunk and they fly as hell. I'll help you with that business because you have a vision. You have purpose. You, care about something. If your thing is microphones, tell me why microphones are cool. Talk to me. Be passionate about something. We so lost in this cycle of working to live, we done lost passion and purpose. Mm. So no, I'm not going to date a man that works at Foot Locker. Thank you. Next question. <laughs> <laughs> that is crazy. Um, 
I don't know if it's emotional or abandonment issues. It's not abandonment issues, but I am an emotional suppressor. Mm. I suppress my emotions mm. to the point where I don't think I have them. Mm. I, as I get older, I'm thinking maybe they're there somewhere. Mm-hmm. I just don't acknowledge them as much. Mm-hmm. There's but, a lot of students but you're, that you're, have that. you're thinking we could tie that to... Of course, I can I can come to your house. I, I don't even have to talk to you. If I came to your house right now and I said, open your refrigerator, open your cabinets, and I look at the type of food that you have, I can analyze what you probably went through as a child. Wow. Correct. Right, and that's one way that, uh, it, like we say in the conscious community, emotional intelligence. And that's not just about being conscious. I think every parent should know that because most of our children cannot articulate what they're feeling correctly. So back to the story of me eating bread every day. I was depressed because my mom and dad was going through a divorce that they didn't explain to me. I, I witnessed a lot of domestic violence right in my childhood. And I couldn't articulate that that bothered me. And as I became an adult, I still dealt with those things. I suppressed those things, had more experiences and compounded on each other. And then I ended up in the psychiatric ward in 2013. So if wow. my mom would have known that, hey, this craving is, could be tied to an emotional instability, we could have got help then. Or I, they could have talked to me. Or maybe I would have got counseling. That's what I do with my children. When I notice they have a week where they're eating a lot of potato chips or asking for potato chips, I'm like, okay, what are you stressed out about? And I try my best to bring it down to their level to get them to tell me what's going on, extract that information from them. My um, youngest daughter, well, not now I have another youngest daughter, but my second oldest, she had a... How old is she? A, uh, she's five. Okay. When she was four, she had a period where she would just want waffles all day, every day. And I'm like, what is going on? So I started doing some therapeutic work with her and I started talking to her and to find out, she said, you know what? I am the youngest at the time daughter and I feel like I'm not being heard. She always had to shout what she needed. She always felt like, hey, I got to fight for my spot in the family. And I found that out just by noticing she loved to eat pancakes and waffles for like a week straight. She would just eat that. And I started a conversation with her and it came to find out that was what she was dealing with. So now I can properly help her manage those emotions and not continue to use the food to suppress them. God, hold on. You let your kids eat waffles and chips and stuff? Well, you know, I try not to be the food police. Right. So, you know, birthday parties and things like that, they do have opportunity to eat as long as it's vegan. Oh, God, as long as it's vegan. Mm -hmm, Gotcha. How old are your kids? I have a 10-year-old, an 8-year-old, 5, 3, and 9 months. Oh, gotcha. Hey, that 10-year-old, when they go to school now, hey. And, and that's one of the things that we've, we've done. We've taken them out of the school system. Oh, really? Yes. I was about to say, because they friend definitely got some cookies or something for them. That, yes, that happens. And they, they're inching to get in there. So we, we're working out ways to, like, balance that because I don't want them to ever feel like, you know, they were sheltered from certain things or held back from certain things. So that's not good either. Yeah. So I try to do my best to allow them to explore. But make sure that they understand who they are, right? My children will be the one. We stopped getting invited to, like, you know, outings with our family because when we would go to non-vegan restaurants, my children would be like, you know, this leads to high blood pressure. You know, you shouldn't be eating that, grandma. So they stop inviting us. They don't even invite us anymore. I'm like, okay, I saw y'all went here. Why y'all didn't invite us? Because we don't got time for your children to be telling us. <laughs> so uh, we do our best to indoctrinate our children with, with this mindset. Okay, let's go devil's advocate. On the other side, what are some, some uh, harmful effects of maybe raising your children to be vegan? 1000% want you to know that you can be unhealthy on any diet. Mm-hmm. You have to understand how to read the face 
I's and tongue. Don't just go into this and be like, oh, I'm vegan. We did that when I first went vegan. We were carboholics. We took the meat off, but we kept everything else. We kept the white rice. We kept the bleached white flour. We kept going mm. to places that weren't vegan, just not getting the meat. I done met some fat vegans, <laughs> and I don't believe you. It's like, nah, bro, there ain't no way, because you still... You've been on this journey for three years now and ain't no change. I hadn't seen that. So I, I went through that and I started to become anemic because I was not getting the nutrients properly. So I, number one, say you have to realize veganism today has been commercialized, mm. right? So you want to make sure that you're balancing your plate. Protein, carbs, and fat is the foundation. Nutrient, dense, protein, carbs, and fat. If you don't know anything else, you need to make sure every single day you have a source of protein. Source of a source of uh, carbohydrates and a source of fat. What's an example of a fat that you eat? Um, avocado. That's the easiest one. Easiest uh, to find. Avocado, chia seeds, uh, flax seeds. Um, that's yeah. fat. Yeah, those are fat. Correct. Mm. Mm -hmm. Interesting. So those are very very common ones that you can find easily. Uh, but then once we get to that point, you may say, "Hey, like you said, I'm on this diet. I'm still not. I don't even like to say diet because it has dye in it. But I'm on this nutritional plan, and I'm still not." reaping the benefits. Next thing I want to do is read your face, eyes, and tongue because through face mapping, we can tell what's going on inside the body, right? David Shans, when you were in your mother's womb, you were one undifferentiated cell. Mm -hmm. That's still your ancestry. So everything in your body is connected. As you grew in your mother's womb, you grew a head, you grew a leg, you grew arms. So everything is still uh, connected. So when we look at the face, the top of the forehead here is connected to the colon. So if somebody's dealing with a lot of wrinkles or whiteheads or blackheads here, I could say, hey, there's some issues with the colon. You need to increase your insoluble fiber. Let me see, Joe. <laughs> it was a it's real this exercise moment. where we hold hands and we and we make eye contact because eye contact is 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 confidence and it's connectedness and and I my job is to say who are you and you say I am such and such and I keep asking you and each time your question your answer has to be different and then I say who do you pretend to be and that's where people get stuck because they're like uh I I'm like no no let's go let's talk about it who do you pretend to be and the, the questions and the answers that generally come out are I pretend to be strong when I'm really not I pretend to be confident. I pretend to be smarter than what I am. I pretend that the divorce didn't bother me. Mm. And like for you, it was like there was nothing. Mm. It was a wall. I'm like, so Dave, you don't pretend to be, you don't just <laughs> never pretend to be nothing. Come on, sir. <laughs> yeah. yeah it, I mean, yeah. So like the the wall is still, it's still there. Cause I, I didn't, uh, I didn't go. <laughs> Cause you didn't come back. I didn't go back. Three I didn't years go back. Ago, Dave. Yeah, for sure. We need to, we need to get back. Get that exercise. Cause she's like, yo, when's the last time you cried? And I'm like, I don't know. And uh, I think you're asking like, yo, you know, what about when you're, you know, my father passed away? And I was like, yeah. But I answer it like that. Yeah, yeah. I think I cried once. It's like, you're, on, it's like you're not affected. Yeah. We gonna get back to you on this because we, yeah, we got to get part two going because I, I need you to be affected. Here's my thing. <laughs> I'm not sure if uh, it protects me not being affected. You think it does. It does. Because when when something happens negative, mm -hmm. I'm not hurt. It doesn't hurt me. Mm -hmm. Or like in a sad moment, mm -hmm. I don't I don't go that low into being sad or depressed. Yeah. It protects me from even feeling away. Yeah. But even when things are going great and I have mm -hmm. the biggest accomplishment of my life. You're like, oh, that's great. I can't go that high either. Yeah. 
So it protects me in a sense of I'll, I'll never get so low mm-hmm. where I'm hurt. Yeah. But it's not good for the people around me because there are certain places I cannot go emotionally with my wife. Yeah. Or, or your friends. Or my friends. Let me give you this example. When you were at my house that day. So and this may be in another time. I can't remember. But you were at my house one time. It may have been this day. And I told you something very deep. And I was crying. I was like, I just, I just cannot believe this, Dave. Like, no, this really is affecting me. And you were like. It wasn't, it wasn't that bad. It was, it was that a head bad. nod. I'm like, I, I'm like, is I he, squinted my eyes a little bit. Like, <laughs> it wasn't just a blank stare. It was the blankest night. stare. And that's when I really knew. I said, oh, Dave, is this is deep. You can't even be affected for somebody else's mm. trauma. I, what I told you was deep. And you were like, like, it's like you didn't even, it didn't affect you at all. I'm like, is Dave human? Dave might be an alien. And the thing is, do I need to be strong for other people? But that, that's that been always my um, my psyche, okay? And, and maybe maybe this was, maybe my cousin messed me up. When my father passed away, mm-hmm. my cousin was like, hey, make sure when you get back, you keep working. Okay. So after, you know, your father passed, like, go, you know, be with your family, like, let it affect you, but when you get back, get back to work. Keep busy. Mm. And that was... I, I've all, this I've, advice I've been, someone gave you? Yes. Okay. And it helped me because I keep my mind off it, and we just keep going. Yeah. We keep going. I did cry. I felt for a moment, but I didn't let it drag me down. Mm-hmm. So when, like, there's a tragedy or someone passes, I feel like... So that you feel like there's somebody there, mm-hmm. I can be strong for you. Mm-hmm. But I'm realizing that that's not the best way to operate. Well, sometimes I don't need you to be strong for me. Sometimes someone doesn't want you to be strong for them. Sometimes they just want you to hold them. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they just want you to wipe their tears. Sometimes they just need companionship in this moment or someone who feels like they understand what I'm going through. I was talking to a friend the other day. It's like when I tell you my problems, which I rarely do, when I vent to you, I'm not looking for you to be the solution. Yeah. I already actually, most of the time, we already know the solution. I just need you to be here and be present and feel with me. Mm. That's all I need. And that's how all some of us need in that moment. I don't need you to find the answers or be strong. Mm. Hell, I actually might need you to be weak with me in this moment. Mm. I might just need you to be a shoulder to lean on. And I want you to know, I want to know that you love me enough to that this problem for me is also a problem for you and you're here for me. And that does make you feel better. And that if makes I'm me feel better. I'm going through something and it's uncomfortable talking to someone that, that can't relate to the thing that you're going through. <laughs> yeah, but when you like, can relate, it's like, yo, me too. Me too. Yeah. Man. Well, when you're talking to a brick wall, you're like, okay. Just- Let's not refer to me <laughs> as the brick wall, okay? <laughs> but yes, that, that is one thing that I um, I struggle with. Like, yeah. I, I do dread the day that, you know, one of my children you know, get their heart broke or something yeah. like that. Mm-hmm. And I can't reach that high emotionally. Mm-hmm. I can't, I can't get there with you. And, yeah. you know, other, and the person that's going through it can feel that he can't, he's, he can't be there with me. I can mm-hmm. be there, yeah, but I'm not there. I can't feel it. And really this whole, this whole process was interesting because 
I thought acting was about learning the lines and saying it good. No, no. Acting is, is about being. It's about telling the truth of the story. The reason why we buy so much real estate is because we bring in a lot of revenue outside of just the business. Mm -hmm. And just as fast as you can get money, you can spend it. Yeah. So our savings is to buy property because we know that we put money into the property. It'll get more money than just yeah. sitting in the bank. 100%. And then we can't touch it to spend it. Yeah. So we know that we got our little savings plan. We call our houses our little rainy day funds. <laughs> so as we continue to grow, every single time we do a speaking engagement, we buy property. Every single time. Mm. And we call it patient capital because there's going to be one day where all of the houses will pay for the life where we don't even have to. Like we ain't relying on slutty vegan or big days. Yeah. We ain't relying on nothing else. It's the real estate that will really create that true generational wealth that we want. Yeah. And we just buy properties. When we see a good property, we buy it. Let me ask you, does the, the stuff that you do outside of slutty vegan financially, is that like, how does it stack up against the money that you make from slutty vegan? Like, is it, is it like rivaling it? Are you seeing outside the brand pays more than the... You've been asking a lot of questions. No, it's just, my job. Um, so I'll tell you the truth because I'm totally transparent. Mm -hmm. Since I started Slutty Vegan, I put myself on payroll in 2020 because I've always been the person. Every single dollar goes back into the business and mm -hmm. I'm still that way. So since 2020, I have paid myself a paycheck. I have given myself raises, just like if I was working for a company, giving myself raises, yep. giving myself bonuses. I've done that because I'm so committed to growing my company. Can I take all the money if I want to and just do whatever I want to mm -hmm. do? Yeah, but I'm not that kind of entrepreneur. Yeah. I have a big vision for my brand, so I'm very disciplined when it comes to the business. So disciplined that like, I discipline myself. It's my company. It's my money. I can do what I want. I won't even get gas on my company card because I'll use my personal bank account to get gas. Like I'm that I'm disciplined to a fault. Some yeah. people like pinky, come on. Like it's your company. Like use the car. But I'm also thinking about the bigger picture. I want my books and my records to be so clean. Yeah. And in order for it to be so clean, I got to be super disciplined. Yeah. Right. I just literally started putting my makeup on the company. <laughs> I was paying for it out of my other pocket, right, my personal right, right. pocket. They're all my pockets, <laughs> but I had to realize like, okay, all right, cool. I'm doing a lot of interviews and I'm speaking about slutty vegan. I can make this an expense, yeah. but I've always been very disciplined, but I do very, very well. Outside of that, I, I, well. <laughs> I do very well. Um, so much so that I am able to not have to touch slutty vegan because I do a lot of speaking engagements and thought leadership, things that I really, really like to do. Mm -hmm. And a part of that is, you know, with his as well is what we do. And we put that in our pot and we grow. I love it. I got to ask about the podcast because I am so passionate about podcasting and you have a voice and you're like an endless well of information. And I believe that you will be like one of the biggest podcasters Do in the really world. So? What? Oh my gosh. As a podcast, you have to have something to say. You can't just be cute. You yeah. can't even just have the receipts. So some people, they, they're good at building a business, but they can't really talk about it. Yeah. It's not, it's hard for them to explain how they did what they did. Right. And then there's some people who don't have any receipts, but they just talk really, really good and they sound good on a microphone, but you have a unique blend of both. So 
You know what I'm thinking about? Talk to me. I'm thinking about the Pinky Coast show, TV show. Mm. Like a daytime talk show. Let me not disrespect you with a podcast. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Yo. Podcast is still on the list, yeah. but I admire Oprah, yeah. right? I admire her because of her story and what she represents. And as I maneuver in my career and my journey, right, I studied what she's done to get to where she is. And while I clearly don't do everything that she's done, I look at a lot of what she's done to get successful and I model my, my, my career and what I want. And I create my own blueprint at the same time. Um, But I always wanted a TV show. Yeah. I always wanted my since you produce shows. Yeah. I remember that. I am a television producer by heart. That's what I love to do. So I want to be able to have my own TV show. And I want the kind of show where like, it's a feel good show where like I'm showing Ordinary people doing extraordinary things. Yeah. That's the kind of show that I want. That'll be dope. Yeah. Let me help you. I don't, I just want to be like, I just want to be able to tell my friends I'm helping pick Cole. Let's do it. Okay. I don't need I mean, no money. I don't need nothing. I'm a podcast business. So, I mean, like, if anybody's going to help me, it needs to be you. Absolutely. I just want to yeah. be a part of this greatness because I feel like you have, you got some stuff that Oprah didn't have when she was starting out. Thank you. Like seriously, so like I just I just want to be a part of history. That's all. So can I make ask sure, you a question, please? From the outside looking in, when you think of me, mm-hmm. right, as an entrepreneur who has influence, because I'm not an influencer, right? I'm an you entrepreneur. for sure are. I'm an entrepreneur who has influence. Yes, okay, I, I feel that. There's a difference. Um, an author, a philanthropist, an entrepreneur. When you think of the impact, if you were describing me to a sea full of people and the impact, I'm curious to know what you would say. Fearless. I got one word for you. Fearless. Thank you. That's it. Like, I'm, I just, it's, it's almost like you have an idea and you go at it. And it's not even like a, there's not even a shadow of a doubt if it's going to work or not. And that's fearless. So when you walked in here and you was like, yo, I like this. And he was like, yo, it's not that I like it because I like it, but I'm thinking I'm going to buy a building and I'm going to do this. <laughs> and there's no doubt in my mind that you're going to do it because really you are it. just fearless. I don't know if I went up to Jet Magazine and said, hey, what about this part? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. So that's one thing I admire. And if I had to do like a 20 minute TED talk on you, it would be fearless. And I would have a case of how you're so fearless. Because you are what you eat ultimately. Right. And um, once I started to detox, I was able to take control of my anxiety. I used to wake up and have panic attacks. I just have panic attacks in my sleep. I stopped having those. Right. Once I started to even with going vegan, I was still having it. But when I added in that element of following the circadian rhythm, wake up in the morning, breaking my fast with a detox instead of loading in on all these carbs and things like that. Once I added in that element of detoxification, waste loss, that's when a lot of things changed. And I said, whoa, this is real. 2017, I had a post go viral of some vegan oxtails I made. Woo! Made some vegan, vegan oxtails. oxtails. I made them. They didn't taste good. I'm going to just be real. They didn't taste good. <laughs> ah, <laughs> the beauty of the internet. Good. They just see it look good, they so let's go out. Right. They did viral. <laughs> but uh, the mac and cheese and everything I made, everything else was good. It was my first time making vegan oxtails. We definitely perfected it now. Mm. Uh, but that went viral. And I said, you know what? 
I've been in business before. I'm going to definitely utilize this situation to start a business. And that's mm-hmm. how Surviving Vegan got birthed. The very first detox we did, 2017, we had hundreds of people do it. People were coming back telling me I lost 20 pounds in 10 days. One lady said I came off my high blood pressure medication. One lady said I'm no longer pre-diabetic. I was totally flabbergasted. I'm like, this is doing this for other people? I know what wow. it did for me. When I saw it do that for other people, that's when I said, okay, this is a mission. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. I'm ready. I'm ready to do it. I want to help as many people as I can. To this day, we've helped 100,000 people lose a million pounds. Wow. Mm-hmm. We can clap that up. That's good. <laughs> So you didn't really know like the 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 health powers of vegan. Mm-hmm. It was just it seemed like the right thing to do based on the information that you're gathering at this Correct. point, right? That's how it started. Veganism is that a religion? It seems like it sometimes. It, I think it, somebody I, I, maybe I was reading on the internet or something like that. It it's like not it a religion. It's not a not to my knowledge. It is not a recognized religion. But it seems like it because once you become a vegan, then you got okay. You got the alkaline vegans who's telling you you bad for eating broccoli and cauliflower. Then you got the regular vegans who's telling you, hey, you you bad for being alkaline. Who you think you are following this? That doesn't really work. This is for the animals. Then you got uh, raw vegans who's saying all of y'all is messed up. You need to be eating raw vegans and then. Then you have liquid raw vegans, and then you have breathitarians. So, <laughs> what? Hold on. First, okay. Before we get into the elephant in the room, which that whole breathitarian, like, yes. you need breath. I don't, I don't know if it's like you're just <laughs> liquid vegan. What's that? So, liquid vegan means that you are raw, but all of your meals are liquid. Right, so you are either pureeing it or you blend all of your meals. You only drink. Oh, uh, you pureeing it. Okay. Correct. There are vegans mm-hmm. that are raw, but they only eat it in juice form. Correct. Every day of their life. Every day of your life. And I have not evolved to that level yet. I don't know if I'm ever going to be at that level, but there are people that are liquid raw vegans. And the notion behind that is because you you want to conserve as much energy as possible. So when you eat whole foods, your body's going to break it down to a liquid to send the energy to the cells anyway. So why don't I just consume it as a liquid so I can help my body conserve energy? That actually makes sense. Instead of eating 10 carrots, you just juice, juice it. it. Juicy or blend it, correct. Okay, breathitarian. 
living off of the breath of air. That is because we know that there are elements that are in the air that are needed for the body to survive. So you breathe in air. You can't do this anywhere. You can't. I wouldn't do that in Atlanta. I wouldn't do that in New York. You need to do that in Caribbean spaces um, where there's good quality air, where you can go around a lot of greenery. You can go in the mountains. You can go in the forest and then practice your breath work, and that will be your meal for the day. So when we went to PR, we no, some. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm not. No, 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 no. There's no way. Okay, there's, you cannot. You can't just breathe and that be your meal. Yeah, that's what they that's what they work on because there's nutrient dense air, right? So some. I'm sorry, I gotta Google it. No, keep going, keep going. <laughs> there's nutrient dense air, and that's why I say where there's a lot of pollution, you can't live that lifestyle, right? Because you have a lot of chemicals in the air as well. You have microplastics in the air, depending on where you live. Uh, but if you are in, you know, Caribbean spaces, if you are in, you know, South America, um, I went to PR and I actually met a breathitarian. Um, I, I met a breathitarian in Miami as well who lived in DR um, six months out of the year. And he pre- practiced being a breathitarian throughout those six months. And he lived purely on, on breath and he didn't look malnutritional or anything. And I said, praises to you, brother. But I can't do that. Breathitarian, a person who believes that it is possible through meditation to reach a level of consciousness where one can obtain all sustenance from the air or sunlight. Correct. You met some, they lying. I, I, <laughs> I've met two breathitarians through my life. Uh, so, yeah, they definitely depend on sunlight for their vitamin D, for cholesterol, to release cholesterol, which is the health, the, the fat that the body makes, the liver makes. Uh, so you get your fat source from that. Um, but I personally, it, it doesn't, I can't do that. I, I, I'm not well versed in that one. So, uh, but there are people that are there, right? I don't know if you've ever seen the diagram of a person through evolution where they have the person with the plate versus the person who's only eating the sun and you're supposed to be totally ascended just by, you know, living off sunlight and, as I said, the air around you. But um, I don't think I'm going to evolve to that in this lifetime. If you like the video that you just watched, click this one. You're going to like this one, maybe even more. Click it right now. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.